Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. <laughs> can only mean one thing it is the smoke break live on the buffalo fanatics youtube channel we got a lot to talk about tonight folks 28 days and counting just four short weeks from almost a minute until buffalo bills football bills jets at MetLife. 28 days away and it just got a little bit more interesting not more than an hour ago just when you thought the hype for that game was at its peak, just when you thought you couldn't get more excited, just when you thought there were enough storylines to write a novel for week one, we got one more chapter to throw in that book. AFC East adds two well-known established running backs into the division. This afternoon, within the span of about two hours, we will dive into that in depth right here tonight as the New England Patriots sign former Dallas Cowboys star Ezekiel Elliott and the New York Jets sign former Vikings star Dalvin Cook. What a night, folks. Welcome into the smoke break. So good to have you in here on a Monday night. Like I said, four short weeks away from Buffalo Bills football. We got our first taste of Buffalo Bills football this past weekend as they took on the Indianapolis Colts. In preseason week one, we are going to dive into that game in depth tonight. We're going to talk about everything we saw in that preseason game, things we took away, things that stood out, and um, we'll talk about what that means moving forward as well for these Buffalo Bills as we creep ever so closely to kick 24 days away officially from uh, Chiefs-Lions. It's, it's, it's here. You can just smell it. And uh, if you weren't already excited enough, some blockbuster NFL news hits us late in the evening tonight. Actually, if you were scrolling YouTube just a bit ago, you would have found me on the AFC East roundtable. That's where the Dalvin Cook news broke. And I was with the Jets boys over there, and they were stoked. I was with the Patriots boys. They were stoked about the Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott signing. So just a ton going on tonight. By the way, speaking of the AFC East roundtable, we have a new show over there that I'm excited to be a part of. Uh, Love those guys. Dan Mitchell, obviously, representing Buffalo and uh, all the rest of the AFC East Roundtable guys. They are a riot. They're some of my favorite guys 
to uh, to go live with. And we have a new show that we're doing every Monday night over there called the AFC East. What did we call it? The Brawl or something? AFC East Showdown. Either way, uh, some WWE style name. But we're going neck and neck every Monday night at 6 p.m. It's an awesome format. It's kind of like Around the Horn back in the day, if you remember that show on ESPN. It was one of my favorites growing up. But it's uh, it's four teams. The Bills, the Jets, Dolphins, Patriots. Each team has two representatives to come on and make their arguments. And then everybody in the chat votes for who wins after each segment. A lot of fun. We just did our first episode. You can go and check that out over at the AFC East Roundtable YouTube show after we finish up tonight, but we got a lot to get into here on the smoke break first. Uh, You know, going into this show tonight, I was just ready to talk about Bill's Colts, get into that, talk about what we saw, but we were sidelined or we were uh, sidetracked rather, or the better saying would be blindsided, I think, which that might be a uh, blindsided might be a sensitive topic today because all of a sudden that became huge news that the movie, the blind side with Michael Orr, that kind of like, came into the ether today as being a completely false story. You know, the movie with Sandra Bullock about Michael Orr, Sandra Bullock adopts Michael Orr and, and makes him into a NFL quarter or NFL player. Turns out that whole thing was, was fake, whatever, who cares? Anyway, we got blindsided by two breaking news stories out of the AFC East. And I think one of them was, uh, it was a matter of when, not if I think once Aaron Rodgers freed up a ton of cap money for the New York jets by essentially cutting his salary down this year to next to nothing. We thought and almost knew at that point, the reasoning for that was for the jets to go out and get Dalvin cook. It was the only name left out there that made sense as far as spending the type of money he would command freeing up that type of money to go and get a guy like that. The Zeke to the new England Patriots story that, Probably lesser known. I think there was a leaked picture a couple of weeks ago of Zeke and Mac Jones out to dinner, but I didn't look too much into it. Maybe I should have, because it turns out that was a culmination of a signing of Ezekiel Elliott in New England. So those are two running backs that everybody knows, and they're two running backs that the Bills will be facing head-on twice this season, two separate times. So we'll dive into all of that tonight where do we even begin this is uh this is crazy where i might want to begin is how we get to this point in general right how do we get to blockbuster signings happening for new england and the new york jets the miami dolphins because it's been happening non-stop right of course last year the miami dolphins go out blockbuster move they go out and get tyreek hill although he won't be on the field this year due to injury they also went out and got Jalen Ramsey, the Dolphins were doing their damnedest to put their money where their mouth is and show that they think that they belong in the conversation for number one in the AFC East. They belong in the conversation for not only a playoff team, but a legitimate contender. They have been putting their money where their mouth is. They are trying to build their team up to be one of the best in the AFC. Last year, they were right there. They're getting ever so close, have not been able to leap over the Bills just yet, but they've been doing their damnedest to do so. New York Jets, obviously, they have been doing everything in their power to become competitive. It felt like last year with the young talent they have, the rookie of the year on defense, the rookie of the year on offense, an extraordinarily young, talented New York Jets team with a great defensive line. It looked like they were a quarterback away 
they go out and get one of the best in Aaron Rodgers. They sign him. And of course that has been the talk of the town every single minute of every single day since that happened. They go out and do that because they felt they were a quarterback away. They're looking to compete. And then the New England Patriots, they're a unique team because they don't feel competitive. Visually, they don't look competitive. And even when they were to some degree competitive a couple of years ago and did make the playoffs, well, I think you all know what happened in that game. However, the, the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick with an aging Robert Kraft, they are never going to sit on their hands. They are going to try and compete every single season. You've heard Robert Kraft, despite Tom Brady leaving, he has no intentions of being a bottom feeder in this league. Tom Brady or not, he has no intentions of missing the playoffs. And even though right now it overwhelmingly seems the New England Patriots are the worst team in the AFC East, Robert Kraft wouldn't tell you that because they're trying. And even some of these signings that you scratch your head at, like Juju Smith-Schuster and the amount of money he gets, Devontae Parker, the amount of money he gets, and now Ezekiel Elliott, you can't fault them for trying. You cannot fault them for trying. Despite New England's uh, shortcomings as of late, ever since the departure of Tom Brady, they have been actively trying to climb back up that ladder to become competitive. They take another step towards doing that today. But why are all of these teams doing this? Well, of course, there's only one answer, and that's to compete with the Buffalo Bills. Now, it's weird. Every one of these fan bases, when you say this, they get offended by this. How do I know that? Well, I'll go to my Twitter account where I just tweeted about this about an hour and a half, two hours ago. And, uh, you know, you can always tell when a tweet's going to get going, right? A tweet's going to start making its way around the, uh, the Twitterverse or the Xverse now, whatever they call it when you're getting the opposing fans in the comments, in the quotes. So I tweet out earlier, and this is just facts. I'm, I, th this isn't anything that I, I, I don't understand why another fan base would take slight by this, but I'll get into that in a second. I tweet out Tyree kill to the dolphins, Aaron Rodgers to the jets, Ezekiel Elliott to the Patriots, all in an attempt to compete with Josh Allen. I got, Dolphins fans in the comments, Jets fans in the comments, Patriots fans in the comments. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. Why can't you just admit that that is exactly what it is? Let's go back to where the Bills were not too long ago trying to compete with the New England Patriots. They were doing everything they could. It just never worked. Why do you think the Bills go out and sign an aging half foot out the door Terrell Owens however many years ago during the swan song of his career? For their health? No. They, they had no wide receiver talent on that team, or at least no wide receiver talent worth noting at the time throughout the landscape of the league where you're looking at it and thinking that's a top-tier wide receiver, right? Go out and get an aging Terrell Owens. Why did they go out and get LaShawn McCoy when they did during the early stages of Sean McDermott's career? Because they're trying to compete. Why did they continuously try and draft the defensive line over and over and over again? Well, hey, if we don't get to Tom Brady, we don't stand a chance because offensively, we're certainly not going to be able to compete. And if we can't shut down their offense, well, you can forget about it. And Tom Brady, perhaps the quickest release in the history of the NFL. Nobody got the ball out of the, out of the backfield quicker than he did. Nobody maneuvered a team down the field faster and in short order, quite like Tom Brady did. The, pay, the, the Bills were trying everything in their power defensively after year after year after year to add to that defensive line, to that defensive core to try to compete with the New England Patriots. This is what happens. 
Hell, the Bills are currently doing this right now, just outside of their division. The Bills are currently trying to add to their team not to compete with the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots, even though, of course, they are, but primarily to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. Why do you think Von Miller is donning a Buffalo Bills jersey at this current moment in his career? There's one answer. The Kansas City Chiefs and the loss in the divisional round to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. We saw on full display that the Bills two years in a row against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs were incapable of getting close to sniffing Patrick Mahomes in his own backfield. So what do they do? They go out and get Von Miller as they continuously add not only through the draft, but through free agency to that offense or that defensive line. Young talent after young talent. How many times has Brandon Bean spent a draft pick on the defensive line? Not for fun, but to compete for the can- with the Kansas City Chiefs. And we saw exactly what that type of pursuit towards the Chiefs looks like in a successful manner two weeks after the Bills lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship a couple of years back when they took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who had a defensive line that dominated Patrick Mahomes unlike he has ever been dominated in his career. That was the one and only time in Patrick Mahomes' career where he did not have an answer and got absolutely blown out of the building simply due to the fact that there was a relentless pressure from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defensive front. He could not overcome it. Next thing you know, you blink, and the page, or the uh, the Bucks and Tom Brady right off into the sunset in one of the more dominating and boring Super Bowls in recent history. The Buffalo Bills are currently doing that right now with those Kansas City Chiefs, and the rest of the AFC is currently doing that right now with the Buffalo Bills. This is how the league works. You have to be able to compete with the notch above you or else you're never going to be able to rise up that ladder. And that's what these three teams are doing, in particular, you, you would say, in particular, the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets, because in my opinion, they are far closer to getting to where they want to be than the, New, uh, than the New England Patriots are. But then again, the New England Patriots also had a 20-year dynasty under their belt. You assume after that comes to an end, it's going to take a bit of time to get back on your feet. But the New York Jets had the longest playoff drought in the, in, the, uh, in the NFL right now at 10 years. The Miami Dolphins, I'm not entirely sure the last time they've won a playoff game. It might not be in my entire lifetime here. These are two teams that know they have a terrific roster. They got some young talent, and they have seen the writing on the wall. They have seen that if they add here, there, and everywhere else, they are in the thick of things. And as we go into the 2023 season, just 24 days removed from the first kickoff of the year, you easily can argue that the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins are top competitors, not only in the AFC East, of course, but in the entirety of the AFC. But it it gets a lot easier when you win divisional games and they know what they have to face twice a year, every year for the foreseeable future. And that's one of the best young quarterbacks in the entire national football league and Josh Allen. So offensively, this is how the league has changed. Obviously the better defense you have, the better chance of success. But the league has become primarily an offensive league. If you don't have a quarterback like Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, it doesn't matter how good you are everywhere else. It's just not going to matter. So that's why even with Tua being a halfway decent quarterback so far early in his career, it still never feels like enough. 
That's why with Zach Wilson, it's one year and gone. There's no time to develop you, Zach Wilson. We have a team that's ready to win now. You're holding us back. Sorry. One year, we've seen enough. Goodbye. Aaron Rodgers comes in. It's a win-now league, especially when you have assets surrounding the team outside of quarterback. You have to make a move. The New York Jets have done that. The Miami Dolphins, too, is not nearly bad enough to just move off of him the way Zach Wilson was. Plus, there's far more around Tua Tungabailoa than Zach Wilson had at, 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 at his uh, short-term uh, stint in New York anyways. But the reason you continuously see addition after addition after addition is because not only are these teams in a position right now where they think they can capitalize, but they need to continue to add if they're going to want to leap the Bills. And not only that, if they're going to want to get into the mix with the, with the Bengals, with the Chiefs, etc. So just when you thought the AFC East couldn't get more competitive, because let's face it, this is the most competitive this division has been in the last two decades, probably more, by far in my lifetime. New England ran this thing like a dictatorship for my entire life. There were a couple lapses here and there, but they were blips on the screen. They ran this thing. It was never competitive. And that is the primary reason why Tom Brady has as many Super Bowl rings as he does today. Because back in those days, it was two, it was the one seed and the two seed that got the bye. And when you win your division, it's a hell of a lot easier to get the one seed or the two seed, which New England did almost every single year. That propelled them to one of the greatest dynasties in the history of sports. They ran this division. If it weren't for being in the AFC East, you wonder how many less Super Bowl rings Tom Brady has today. They just dominated it. Now the Bills come along after Tom Brady hangs it up, right? And it's their time to shine. But a very brief stint for the Buffalo Bills where the rest of the division was not competitive. It lasted about this long. Because now you're looking at it, and it goes from not being all that competitive to being the most competitive it has been maybe ever, but certainly in the last 20 years. You could have said that this morning, and I think you can say that even more so today. Because you look at a team like the New England Patriots that I personally view as no threat. But you add an Ezekiel Elliott, and you think to yourself, hey, that's one additional piece you got to worry about. For a New England Patriots team that you look at right now on your schedule and you give two W's to, that's one more thing you got to worry about. And with the New York Jets, <laughs> they're already lined up, man. They are lined up. They got some studs on that team. Hell, they already had two top running backs, top, top young running backs, right? Brees Hall coming back off the injury. You could argue if Brees Hall does not go down last year, he perhaps wins the rookie of the year over Garrett Wilson. And then Michael Carter, who comes in and fills in for him, I thought he, I thought he did an extraordinary job. And now you bring in Dalvin Cook. Now, does it warrant the hype the Jets are getting? Absolutely not. But the Jets 100% deserve to be considered a top team in the AFC this year, or at least the potential to be one. They have done what they've needed to do in order to, at least on paper, we don't know what it's going to look like once the season starts. But going into the 2023 NFL season on paper, you cannot deny the New York Jets have done what they have to do to be in the thick of things. You're just hating and you're putting the blinders up if you, if you think otherwise. Today's one more piece. Let's start with the New England Patriots because that was the first move of the day earlier this afternoon, midway through the almost towards the evening. The, uh, the Patriots go out and sign Ezekiel Elliott, who, of course, has spent his entire career after 
being a Ohio State Buckeye with the Dallas Cowboys. And I always thought that was hilarious because there's two teams. Those are just two teams that I absolutely hate with an unbridled passion. I despise the Ohio State Buckeyes. Despise them. And I've always hated the Dallas Cowboys. They're like the New York Yankees or any other one of those teams, right? You either love them or you hate them. I can't stand them. I think they're great for football, obviously. The brand, Jerry Jones, whatever. They're great for football. The brand is the, one of the most iconic in the entire country, much less outside of sports. But I still hate them. So I always thought it was funny that Zeke went from one to the other where it was just like, ah, man. Just pure hatred from, from college to the pros. And then when you saw him get into the pros, you were thinking, man, he's going to be just as good in the NFL as he was at Ohio State. Dallas in 2016 was one of the best teams in the NFL, and it was not because of Dak Prescott, but it was simply because of Ezekiel Elliott. And that, of course, is why Dak Prescott had the best year of his career. That's why the Dallas Cowboys in 2016 had the best year that that franchise has had in the last several years. They have not come close to touching what they did in 2016. And that had a lot to do with the fact that Ezekiel Elliott absolutely went off his rookie season. 1,631 yards for Ezekiel Elliott to go along with 15 touchdowns. Just an unbelievable season for Ezekiel Elliott. A bit of a downgrade the year following that. But the two years in 2018 and 2019 were right back up towards the top. Nearly 1,500 yards on the year and multiple touchdowns to go with it. but. Zeke, ever since 2019, has just not been the same quarterback. And that, of course, is why Jerry Jones, who gave him an unbelievable bag for a running back. As you see now in the NFL, it's almost impossible for a running back, a running back to get paid. But Zeke sure as hell got his in Jerry world. But ever since he did, it has not been like what we had seen out of him early on in his career. It's been a slow decline ever since. And then you saw the emergence of Tony Pollard, and it became quite clear that Ezekiel Elliott is not the best running back on this team. Therefore, with the money we're paying him, we can't justify it anymore. He's no longer a Dallas Cowboy. With that said, however, he's, he's no scrub. Zeke might have come down from what he once was, but he is certainly no scrub. He is 100% a viable running back in this league still. And I think he adds a much-needed element to this New England Patriots team. Because these New England Patriots, and I know how easy it is to overlook them, and I sure as hell do. I mean, there's no way in hell if you had a gun to my head right now and I had to go through and predict the, the way in which I felt that the AFC East was going to pan out this coming season. There's no way in hell I'm not putting them at fourth. And any rational person would do the same. But they're one of those teams that even though they are a given to more than likely be last place in this division just because of how good the other three teams are, even though they're pretty much a given in that department, they're still one of those teams where you can never just look at it and think, oh, that's going to be a breeze. It's still Bill Belichick, right? It's still the New England Patriots, and they still have some assets on that team that are going to give you a hard time no matter who you are. The Bills have had their way with them as of late. But we all know the New England Patriots still always are going to find a way to be a pain in your ass, no matter how bad they are. And I think that this is one more piece that's, you know, another thorn in your ass here when you got to play these guys. My money's on the Bills all day and every day of the week against the New England Patriots for the foreseeable future and until I'm proven otherwise. 
But that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And I just think that adding Zeke to an offense that needed, needed a boost. This is a nice ad. Do you understand just how bad the New England Patriots offense truly is? We were talking about this earlier on the AFC East roundtable. The question was, does Ezekiel Elliott make the Patriots offense better? And it was a resounding yes as an answer. And it's by default. Because it doesn't take a whole hell of a lot to make the New England Patriots offense better. Last year, they were one of the worst in the entire league. They ranked 26th overall out of 32 teams on offense. Hell, they had Matt Patricia as their offensive coordinator. He's never called offensive plays once in his life. The relationship between Mac Jones, the organization, Bill Belichick, that seemed to sever because of it. That offense was abysmal last year. One of the worst teams in the NFL to watch. Just boring football. My God. And that was because of how bad the offense was. A lot of people assume that because Mac Jones isn't the greatest quarterback, they don't have a great air attack, but they have a good defense and they still somehow remain competitive. A lot of people assume the New England Patriots have a great run game, but they don't. In fact, they had one of the worst run games in the league last year, which is shocking because you look at Ramondre Stevenson, who I think has been a, I think he's great for a young back. I think Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson has a real bright future. But it even shocked me when I came to realize that the New England Patriots, at least on paper, at least by the numbers, they had one of the worst rush attacks in the league last year. They ranked 24th in total rush yards, and they ranked 22nd in total attempts. That shocked me. That's a team you would imagine would run the ball more frequently than just about any other team. They clearly have no faith in their, in their quarterback. At least Bill Belichick doesn't. I mean, it, it just seems obvious to me at this point that Bill Belichick he just he just doesn't like Mac Jones. It just seems that way. That whole thing over there seems odd. And not for nothing, you know, Mac Jones, he just is what he is. He's limited. Is Mac Jones a terrible quarterback? No. But he's a mediocre quarterback. And, and in 2023, in this age of the NFL, mediocre, it, it used to be able to cut it. It used to be able to cut it. Mediocre is slightly above it. If you had a great defense and an insane run game, you could win. Let's pencil in. Vintage Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Joe Flacco wasn't terrible, and at times he could be really good, but he was never more than an average quarterback, and they, right to the Super Bowl, win the whole thing. Insane run game, one of the best defenses this league's ever seen. You would assume the New England Patriots, in a similar situation now, not nearly as close to as good as the Baltimore Ravens are, but a similar type of team, where your quarterback's limited, your team's built on defense, and, you know, historically, you have had a good run game. The New England Patriots historically have had a good run game year after year after year. Last year was not the case. And you would assume they would have ran the ball more, but they didn't. Another key issue for these New England Patriots last year that really stood out, and it reflected not only on the scoreboard, but, of course, in their win-loss column. The uh, By the way, Rex Fly coming in here. This is a perfect example. Exactly. Sticking with the Ravens, but even an even better example. I mean, Joe Flacco, he, he's been around. He's, I, I think he's still in this league. And Joe Flacco, I mean, during that playoff run, it was kind of like Eli Manning during their playoff runs, where all of a sudden you blink and you're like, my, you're like, my God, Joe Flacco's playing some of the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Where the hell was that every other game? Trent Dover's a, a perfect example. That's a guy that just was carried to a championship. All he had to do was just not screw him. And he did just that, right? But the Patriots aren't at that level right now. They're not nearly as good. So you would assume 
based on the limitations of the passing game up until recently, they haven't really had anybody to throw the ball to. Hell, I'm not going out and giving Juju Smith-Schuster the type of money Robert Kraft did. But, you know, they're going out and trying to add weapons at least. I'm certainly not paying an aging Devontae Parker who has one of the highest dra- uh, drop rates in the league the amount of money they did either. But, I mean, you know, they're, 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 they're trying. Hunter Henry, they're, they're putting in the effort. I'll give them that. But up until recently, they have not had the assets at hand to be able to compete through the air like the rest of these teams are. You'd figure they'd stick to the run game. And we've seen on a few occasions that they have ran down the Bills' throat. We've seen that on a couple of occasions. But with that said, and I think that sometimes you kind of let that bake into your mind too when you think about certain things. You think about how they play against the Bills, and then you kind of warp that into your overall take. If you were to ask me what the New England Patriots' run game was like, I would tell you it's pretty stout because it seemed like every time the Bills went up against them, they were running, man. They were running. I mean, ask new addition to the Buffalo Bills, Damian Harris. He had a couple of field days against the Buffalo Bills just a season ago. But even with that, 22nd in attempts, 24th overall in rush offense, 26th overall in total offense. But let's look at them this year and why I think they could be a notch better. I still think they're going to be the inevitable fourth place team in this division. We got to talk about why we think the New England Patriots could be more of a pain in our ass this year than anticipated. Let's talk about Bill O'Brien. That right there, to me, is a huge key. As I mentioned earlier, last year, this New England Patriots team did not have an offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniel goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, head coach. Been their offensive coordinator forever, throughout the entire dynasty, considered to be one of the best of the best, right? He leaves. No replacement. Right? You got Matt Patricia calling the plays. And you could tell, man, what that was doing to Mac Jones. You almost felt bad for the kid. Almost. This year, you have to assume, and I think it's a fair assumption, that they're somewhat better on offense. The bar isn't all that high. You were a handful of spots removed last year from being the league's worst. And it's no shock. You didn't have an offensive coordinator. You're limited at quarterback. You couldn't run the ball. It's incredible they were as competitive as they were last year with those limitations. I mean, think about it. You go back and look at the AFCE standings last year. It's honestly remarkable that the New England Patriots did not finish last. Eight and nine for a team like that is in, that's respectable to me. And it, it's weird because you look at that team and compare them to another team where, you know, it, it felt like they were bad, but were they really that bad, right? Like, for instance, one team that comes to mind for me is the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos is a team last year where you think, man, they were not good, but how bad were they really? The Denver Broncos last year, 5-12. I mean, you knew they were bad. They never lived up to the hype, and they never came quite close to it. But did it feel like they were that bad? Meanwhile, with New England, it never felt like they were great. never felt like they were terrible. But 8-9, and nine, to me, more respectful, more respectable than I remember, truth, truly. And that was with no offensive coordinator and, frankly, no offense. So from the Bills' perspective here, we got to look at it like this. Am I intimidated by this, this signing? No. Am I fearful of the New England Patriots? Absolutely not. Do I have them penciled in as fourth place in the AFC East? 
No question. And will I consider them a threat to the Buffalo Bills in any capacity until I'm proven otherwise? No. But they are better already than they were last year. No question. They have a competent offensive coordinator now in Bill O'Brien, who was no GM and, you know, wasn't the best head coach either. But certainly a great offensive mind has had success both in college and the NFL, Colin plays. He's now with Mac Jones, who I believe he worked with, if I'm not mistaken, while he was in Alabama. So the relationship there. And then you add Ezekiel Elliott. In the New England Patriots, they like to do two things, or three things. They like to play defense. They do like to run the ball, but I guess that kind of smashes into the one other thing I was going to say, and that's just short yardage. The New England Patriots forever, it's been all about methodically moving down the field. Death by a a thousand cuts. That's what the New England Patriots have always been. It's really no different now. They're just not as talented. The key for them is a death by a thousand cuts, and I think Ezekiel Elliott is a guy who fits that type of mantra perfectly. You have Ramondre Stevenson. He's probably going to be your every down back, but you bring in Ezekiel Elliott, similar to how the Bills just brought in Damian Harris. Short yardage situation and short throws. Zeke can do both. Zeke's a power back that can get you short yards when you need it. He can get you touchdowns in the red zone. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. That right there, another key that I want to point out when it comes to looking at the New England Patriots, perhaps just a bit differently this coming season. I think that's fair to say. That is fair to say. This is a team last year that was almost dead last in offense that went eight and nine. They almost went uh, over 500 with one of the league's worst offenses. So you have to just assume they they get somewhat better, somewhat more competitive. One other thing to consider, last year they were dead last in the red zone. 32 out of 32, dead last in scoring efficiency inside of the red zone. This right there, this right here has to help. Absolutely has to help. Zeke's a guy, when you think red zone, you think he's getting the ball. It's exactly the reason why I was excited for the Bills to bring in Damian Harris. These exact reasons. He's just not as much of a household name as Ezekiel Elliott is. But this is the, the addition to the New England Patriots that you look at those numbers and feel as though they needed, and they went out and got it done. So my overall opinion on the New England Patriots doesn't vary much. They're still the fourth best team in the AFC East. They're not close to a playoff team right now in my mind until I'm proven otherwise. Not only because of how, I would say, how much of a talent gap there is between them and the rest of the league right now but also just simply because how, even if they have a decent season, how do you make the playoffs with what's currently in the AFC? How do you do it? Because even if you have a decent year, you're not making the playoffs in the AFC. You have got to have a great year this year to get in. You have to. You got to have double-digit wins. There is not a shot in hell you're getting into the playoffs this year at nine wins. I'd argue there's going to be at least one team getting left out with 10, at least. Look at the AFC right now. It is disgusting. It is absurd. It is, it is almost like it is almost like a, like a conference full of all-star talent. It's never been like this. I said earlier, the AFC East has never been this competitive. The AFC, perhaps, has never been this competitive. There's been times, of course, and I know we have recency bias, obviously, back in the day with Peyton and Ben Roethlisberger 
And that Ravens defense, right? Andrew, or not Drew Brees. Um, who else am I thinking of? Uh, I think I said everybody I was thinking of. Either way, obviously great football back then. But this is a whole type of different type of football. I mean, it's insane. Because not only is the talent there, but it's just like unworldly type quarterbacks too. Guys doing things we've never seen. Lamar, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, just changing the game right before our eyes. And uh, it, it is incredibly tough to compete with if you don't have uh, your own fair share of that type of talent. And New England Patriots, just they, they really don't. And even if they surprise a few teams, and even if they have a better-than-expected year, I, I just find me 10 wins. Find me 10-plus wins for the New England Patriots. And if that happens, man, then, uh, then, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this AFC at this point. If the New England Patriots find a way to get into the playoffs this year and they win double-digit games, then, I mean, you think the AFC is loaded now? You add in a team like the New England Patriots into that mix as well? I mean, good God. Outside of maybe the Raiders, which I don't even write them off because I think Jimmy G is a more than serviceable quarterback. They have Devontae Adams. They're not, they're not a slouch. I mean, really, you look around the AFC. I mean, outside of the Houston Texans, who, who's getting rolled? Anybody? It's just nuts. And the New England Patriots last year, despite as bad as they seemed at times, they still almost went above 500. They've gotten better today, and they've gotten better throughout the offseason. I, you know, if I'm a New England Patriots fan, am I stoked about paying Juju Smith-Schuster more than I think he's worth? No. Am I stoked about Devontae Parker and the money he's getting and him being a feature weapon on this team? No, not really. But like I keep saying, it's a team that will not quit and will not just go away and hide. They're going to be there, and it's going to be annoying. They're going to give the Bills all they can handle. Bill should be able to handle it, but it's just one more element you got to worry about today. In addition to the other things I just mentioned, the New England Patriots will be a better team this coming season. I just don't think it's going to be good enough to compete with the top of the league. A team that will be able to be good enough to compete with the top of the league and just got a little bit better today is the New York Jets. You know, it just pains me to say it, but as you know, I like to be honest and realistic while at the same time holding my Bill's biases. And I've, I, it's getting to the point now, and I've I, I probably said this in different ways throughout the last couple of months here, but uh, you know, I'm going to reiterate it every week until we play them, and I'll probably double or triple down on this again once we do play them, especially depending on the outcome of it. Um, but the, the disdain that I currently have for the New York Jets, the, the just the, the utter, I, I mean, I, I have a tough time conjuring up a word. It, it is growing to a seismic level. It is getting up there with some of the most just I, I utter hatred towards an organization and a team that I've had in some time. I'm feeling like vintage Patriots hatred towards these Jets. And it's not to do with their fans, right? Or really, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's got to do with everybody else on the outside boiling in filling your ears up with a bunch of BS that you can't escape from the absolute. The way that they are just sucking Aaron Rodgers ass is unlike anything I have seen in any capacity in any field. Did you watch hard knocks last week? Can't wait for the episode tomorrow. 
I almost hopped on last week early in the morning after watching Hard Knocks because I felt like I wanted to get it off my chest, but I had work. I didn't have the opportunity to do it. But briefly, I've it's regressed over the week here. I'm sure it'll flame back up tomorrow. But my God, last week, that first episode of Hard Knocks was the most insufferable shit I have ever seen in my life. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't bear it. And I loved it. I loved it. I thought I was pumped up for week one against the Jets, just like I said earlier. Now you add Dalvin Cook to the mix with them. I mean, you think you're pumped up for it. You think it's already an insanely hyped game. I mean, that's how I felt going into that episode of Hard Knocks last week in my hype meter, which had already just been exploded at that point. Found a way to get even bigger because I just felt rage watching that. You got the narrator going on there saying, in, you know, in New York, the, the Jets camp is the, is the hottest ticket in town or the place to be. And then Aaron Rodgers walks out on the camp, on the field. He goes to Zach Wilson as the rest of the crowd is chanting his name. He goes to Zach Wilson and is in his pompous of a way as only he can. You ever seen that before? And the way that they're just, I mean, it's almost like Aaron Rodgers died. And he's got a, a year left on. And this is what this feels like, right? It's almost like Aaron Rodgers died. And they were able to bring him back for one year. And we were watching everybody kind of send him off into the clouds. You got one more year with the guy. And you're, and, and you're just watching everybody just pour all this synthetic BS type love at the guy. Because he's a New York Jet. And the Jets haven't made the playoffs in what feels like this century. It is repulsive. Now, I will say, if I was a Jets fan, I mean, I'd love it. Of course I would. But as a Bills fan, oh, my God, I love it, but for different reasons. I love it because it's just getting me jazzed up. The focal point is no longer on the Buffalo Bills. It just isn't. Watch that episode of Hard Knocks, and you will understand why the Bills are being knocked down the totem pole in the AFC East like we've continuously been talking about throughout the offseason here. It's got nothing to do with anything the Bills have done, and I've told you this. The reason that they go out and try to find their excuses, right, the Stephon Diggs drama that didn't exist, the regression of Josh Allen that doesn't exist, right, the reason that the media is going and finding these little things is to add to their arguments so that they can continue to put the New York Jets on an undeserved pedestal. And you see it on a full-hour display and beautifully shot footage on Hard Knocks. And I can't wait to continue to watch this because it's like I'm it's like I'm watching hype videos uh, to just fuel me up to root against them, not only in week one, but for the foreseeable future. It, it, I just I can't stand it. Oh, my God. And it's not because I'm this is what the Jets fans would say, I'm sure. Oh, you're, you're scared. You're jealous. I've said on numerous occasions and I don't hide from it. The Jets are a damn good team. I've said it throughout this show already tonight. The Jets are a damn good team who are going to be insanely competitive this year, and they're going to be right there in the thick of things. I guarantee it. Unless something completely implodes, which would be hilarious, I'd love nothing more. But unless something completely implodes, it is hard to imagine the Jets aren't going to be there. It's got nothing to do with that. Frankly, I don't even know if it's got anything to do with the Jets themselves. It's just the way they're being propped up and the way it's being displayed. It is just undigestible. I mean, you watch this hard knocks, and not only is it the Aaron Rodgers hour, not that every other hour of every day isn't, 
but it's just a little other things too. Like Robert Sala up at the podium. What has Robert Sala done yet in his young career? And I get it. He hasn't had much time as a head coach in this league. I understand. But what has he done yet to go up and have this cocky type attitude? Because it seems like he's got that. And it's because Aaron Rodgers is in town. He goes up to the podium. And I want you to imagine Sean McDermott doing this. I want you to imagine this, envision this. He goes up to the podium. This was on Hard Knocks. And they're talking about whatever, you know, being doubted or whatever the hell. And, and, and Robert Sala goes, I, I heard if, uh, I, I heard, I heard if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. That's what he says. He goes to the mic, a head coach of a national football team in the biggest state in the country, the biggest, or the biggest city in the country. You ain't popping. Or you, you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. I want you to envision Sean McDermott taking the podium and saying that and how you'd feel as a Bills fan. Because I know how I felt as a non-fan of the New York Jets. And, of course, I think all, you know, all of them are eating it up. They love it. They think Robert Sala is, is the, next, uh, the next great motivational speaker. He's the next, he's the next uh, Tom Foley. right? He's, an, he's, he's the next Chris Farley living in the van down by a river. Going out to get his gear, he's moving in because he's the next great motivational speaker. Why? Oh, because he had some ridiculous tell he found on Google the night before about a crow and an eagle. And I'm watching that, and I'm laughing my ass off, by the way. I mean, I just thought it was hilarious. People are actually getting pumped up about that, and I'm like, man, I mean, I mean, this is just hilarious. And the reason, this is why I keep going, and I'm going to have to eat all of this, by the way. I'm going to have to eat all of it if the Bills don't deliver, and I have no problem with that. I still stand by what I say, but I'm going to have to eat it, of course. But this is why I continuously keep saying that the Bills week one against the Jets is a must-win game because the cockiness coming out of that locker room, out of that organization, and the overall aura of this organization being represented to us, it needs to be put to an end. And the Bills have an opportunity to do that in a three-hour time span on a Monday night in September. It can all come crashing down within that one game, I promise you. Or it could absolutely skyrocket to another level you couldn't even possibly imagine, which is tough to think about because it already feels like it's there. But, like, you know, Marco's coming in here saying, you know, it's a song. He's trying to be cool, the cool dad to the young kids. No, I, I, I know what it is. I know that. This ain't a kid's game. This, this, this isn't a cool guy league. That's why I actually like Mike McDaniel, believe it or not, even though he's the Dolphins head coach. I like that guy a lot. Why? Because he's just different in his own unique way. I get why people might think he's annoying and stuff, but at least he's just, he, stay, he stays true to him, and, he, and, and, and it seems like it works for him. The solid thing, it just doesn't seem authentic at all. And I had no problem with him, really. But I saw that, and I, I must have rewound that four or five times because I couldn't believe it. I just don't, I don't know how in the hell you, you, you as a, a pro football coach, that's how, I, I mean, think about anybody doing that. I'm trying to think of anybody who would do that. Sean McDermott, hell no. I'd love for you right now to imagine the thought of Bill Belichick doing that. I would, I would love for you to imagine that right now. So you can have the, the, the fattest belly laugh you've had in weeks. I mean, Harbaugh, imagine him doing that. Kyle Shanahan, imagine him doing that. Anybody worth a damn. That's the whole point here. I mean, imagine anybody worth their weight in this league at, at, at that stature of a, of a position doing that. And I know it might seem like a little insignificant thing, but it's just one more little crack 
in this canvas here that the New York Jets have painted that I'm looking at and I just can't, I can't ignore it. It's just one more little thing. This, 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 and that. And, I, and the other thing, too, is, and, and this is the tough thing, and I continuously keep saying this, it's not like you can turn around and say they're a bad team, right? You can't. You can get annoyed about all this stuff all you want. I sure as hell am. But at the, at the end of the day, I mean, they have an opportunity here on paper to back up all this, all this BS. They, they have the opportunity to do it. They got the talent. They certainly think they have the quarterback now. I mean, if you couldn't tell. They, right now, you'd have a tough time arguing to me that they're not going to be a competitor this year. Now, they certainly aren't going to live up to the expectations set for them, and we know that firsthand as Bills fans. The higher the expectations, the higher the disappointment. And that's why my disappointment level was at an all-time high last year after the Bills got worked by the Bengals. It's because the expectations had never been higher. And you look at it, and granted, for the Bills, at that stature in which their franchise is currently in now, losing in the divisional is, is a, you know, it's a letdown. It's tough to wrap your mind around that when just a handful of years ago, losing to Blake Bortles in the wild card of the playoffs after a 20-year drought with Tyrod Taylor brought tears to my eyes. So it's tough to wrap your mind around that, but it's the reality. Last year was an utter disappointment not only because of the expectations, but of course, because the way that that franchise, the trajectory, the way it had been going, the way that they exited last year absolutely was a disappointment. But it's crazy to think that last year, a 13-3 and team that did make the divisional was an utter disappointment. You're now looking at the New York Jets who haven't made the playoffs in a decade. You're looking at an Aaron Rodgers quarterback here that's coming on. I understand he had two straight back-to-back MVPs. Did you look at his numbers last year? Because they weren't close to MVP. He got outplayed by two other quarterbacks in his own division. Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff were twice the quarterback Aaron Rodgers was last year. So we're currently looking at a situation right now where a team that has all of these variables that we have no idea how they're going to pan out. They're being crowned, or not crowned, but they're being hyped up to be not just a playoff team, but a Super Bowl contending team. And that's what's wild to me because the higher the expectations, the higher the disappointment. And I just don't know how anybody could justify that type of hype right now because nothing's been proven. And, and this is coming. And this, I, I would say this to any Jets fan. I just said it to a, a few, a uh, couple hours ago when I was on that other, on the other show there, I said, I sincerely mean this from a Bills fan to a Jets fan. I, do not allow yourself to look at all this and think that the Super Bowl. Is, is, is in the in the distance, all you got to do is keep driving towards it because it is not a smooth ride. And a Bills team last year who had all the makings of being able to get there, frankly, when it came to the playoffs, it wasn't remotely close. When it came to the playoffs, they were not close to winning that divisional game. Therefore, they were not close to making the Super Bowl. That's a Bills team that had been working up incrementally to get there for years now, Right. And now all of a sudden you got a Jets team who hasn't made the playoffs in a decade, who's been one of the worst teams in the NFL over the last X amount of years during that standpoint, has not been able to figure out the quarterback position, has not been able to remain, you know, towards a competitive level on a consistent basis. And now they're a Super Bowl contender. And today they get a little bit better to transition from that rant. I had it. I, I forgot about the hard knocks and I get talking about the Jets. I mean, you know, it, people... 
like I said, and, and it's all about perspective, obviously. People look at me like, oh, you're just a hater. Yeah, yeah, yes. Like, just be honest. Be honest with yourself at all times. You're just a hater. Yes, 100%. That, isn't that sports? I had somebody comment. I don't know who it was. I don't know. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was meant to be mean spirited or anything. But I had somebody comment uh, when I tweeted about how much I thought that Hard Knocks was just almost unwatchable just because of how insufferable it was. I also did go on to say how much I love it, and I stick to that. I did love it. I already. I just explained to you why I loved it, right? But uh, I had somebody say, you know, don't you appreciate the watching, you know, other organizations and how everything is made and whatever? Of course. Obviously, I mean, I love it. Hard Knocks is one of the best forms of NFL media that there is. It's so well done. It's incredibly made. I love it. But the subject matter, just because it's just because it's a great show. I mean, the subject matter at hand. And now if that if that exact same stuff was happening, but it was. uh, I don't know. The Seattle Seahawks. I wouldn't care. Wouldn't wouldn't I wouldn't hate one thing about it. I'd love it. Say, you know, say it was Rodgers going to the Seahawks. Yeah, good for, good for the Hawks, man. Good for them. 12th man. Hopefully they get back to the Super Bowl again, uh, you know, for their fans. Maybe the Bills will meet them there, right? You know, but it, it's because it's the Jets. You know, yes, uh, yes. Are you a hater? Yes. Are you not? Like, I, if you're a fan of the Jets or whatever, like, why would you? you you're not? I respect, I have a, uh, my respect level is, is always fair and always on point. Doesn't mean I, I got to love it. And I love, we're not even close to that. We're not even close to that. We are on the complete other opposite. We're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to this. So with that said, I can't, like I keep saying, I can't wait to watch the next episode and the next episode because it's just getting me more and more jazzed up for week one. And today it's got me a little bit more jazzed because like I said, there are an infinite amount of storylines going into this week one game against the New York Jets. Uh, it, it is just a matchup made in heaven. And I, I thought I was excited for the first game of the season last year against the LA Rams. And I sure as hell was, because at that moment in time, I would have said that was the most excited I've ever been for a week one game, maybe even a game. Uh, this is trumping that times an infinite number. There's just so many aspects going into this game and we get one more today. It's going to be the battle of the Cook brothers, the cook-off, if you will. James Cook, who we'll get into in a little bit here, who just came off a phenomenal-looking couple of sequences against the Indianapolis Colts in the preseason, will be battling against his brother, one of the better running backs in the NFL over the last handful of seasons, in a New York Jets uniform. Let's break this down as we just did with the Patriots and their Ezekiel Elliott signing. Let's talk about now Dalvin Cook being added to this Jets team. My biggest question right off the bat, I don't really have any questions when it comes to the uh, New England Patriots signing Ezekiel Elliott. There really aren't any questions to be had. It makes sense. They're not a good offense. They're not a good rushing offense. And they're not a good red zone team. Why would you not add Ezekiel Elliott if you could? Makes sense on all bases. The Jets here, I mean, I understand you had the money. Aaron Rodgers basically playing this year for free. He frees up the money for you. I understand you have it. Why not spend it? I get it from that standpoint. 
But the Jets really did not need Dalvin Cook, and I don't really know how much he fits into this offense. And if he does fit in, which obviously they're going to make him fit in after this signing, then who's getting bumped out? Because you have two incredibly good and promising young running backs who are only going in to their second season here. And, you know, somebody here is going to have to take, uh, they're going to have to take snaps off here. They're going to have to take a snap cut. You have Brees Hall, who looked like he was going to be rookie of the year type material last year before he got hurt. He does get hurt. And then just when you're thinking that potentially, you know, the Jets run game was going to be screwed because of it, Michael Carter comes in, fills his shoes, and I thought in a terrific fashion. Thought he was great. For next to no experience, right, filling in on a whim, I thought he filled in great. And yet, you looked at the Jets going into the year, in addition to everything else that they've done, you looked at their running back room and you said, wow, with Brees Hall back and healthy, Michael Carter taking the secondary snaps, that's a damn good running back room. And not only is it damn good right now, but it's going to be good for a while here. Those are young guns. And now you add Delvin Cook. I mean, obviously the more the merrier, I guess, but somebody's going to have to take cuts here, and I don't know who it's going to be. The way Brees Hall looked, I would imagine they're going to want him out on the field, but Dalvin Cook is no slouch. They're going to want to put him out there as well. It just felt like they didn't need him, and that's why when I saw the signing, it's not like I'm like, oh, oh boy, biting my fingernails. Uh, the boy really screwed now. I just kind of looked at it, and I'm like, I got, yeah, I'm like, all right, one more guy. I looked at it a bit differently from the Patriots perspective, because when you look at them, you're not really threatened by a whole lot. When you add one more piece like Zeke, at least you have something else to sit on because you didn't really have much more to begin with. It's hard not to get better there. But with Dalvin Cook here, I just don't know how much better the Jets are today with him. I think they were fine in the running back room to begin with. And obviously Dalvin Cook's an extraordinary running back, but um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that running back room now, a lot. I'll be interested to see how that winds up being rationed out, you know? But nonetheless, he is now a Jet. Whether they needed him or not, he is now a Jet. And I think that I don't know if there's much of an argument to be had here. The Jets probably, I don't even think you could say probably, the Jets do have the best running back room in the AFC East right now. I think that is just inevitable. You got, you had a rookie of the year type caliber running back and Brees Hall coming back. Michael Carter, who, like I said, filled in beautifully for him. Looks good to be. Uh... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As a secondary back to begin with, now he'll be taking third team reps more than likely as Dalvin Cook joins the mix. And unlike Zeke, who has only cracked 1,000 yards once in the last three years, and when he did crack it in 2021, it was only by two yards. Unlike Zeke, Dalvin Cook, I mean, he's only gotten better. It's almost the complete opposite type of career for Dalvin Cook compared to Ezekiel Elliott. In the beginning of his career, it was lower numbers. But Dalvin Cook is now going on four consecutive 1,100-plus yard rush rush years or rush seasons. 
I mean, Dalvin Cook, it doesn't get a whole lot better than him at the position in the entire league. 1,100 can, uh, 1,100 yards in four consecutive seasons. So, I mean, those are damn good numbers. He's averaging just shy of five yards a carry in those last four seasons, four, four and a half last year. And in those four seasons, he's been a touchdown machine. In 2019 and 2020, he had 13 plus in both years. Those numbers have gone down a little bit. 21, he only had six, but back up to eight in 2022. But the numbers for Dalvin Cook are, uh, they're about as good as you're going to get in this era of the NFL at running back. And, you know, it it gets a little bit more impressive when you look at what Kirk Cousins' numbers were last year. Because last year, statistically, that was one of the Kirk Cousins' best years of his career. And you also have Justin Jefferson, who was just named the second best player in the entire NFL voted on by their peers in the NFL top 100 list. So you have Justin Jefferson as a primary focal point of your offense through the passing attack, obviously Kirk cousins, who by the way, statistically far and away better than Aaron Rodgers last year with all of that, you know, I mean the Vikings, they, they were, there was no shortage of, of point scoring for the Minnesota Vikings. We know that firsthand. Game of the year last year, Bills were on the losing side of it. It was because they had the offense to go toe-to-toe with the Buffalo Bills. With as good of a passing attack as they can have at times, Dalvin Cook was still putting up those numbers. So, unlike Zeke, where I think you can look at him and say, you know, not as much to be worried about just based on his recent performance. Dalvin Cook, quite the opposite. Uh, Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the league. And it just got to the point where, you know, you get to a certain age. He's given his best years more than likely to Minnesota. You got to move on. But the Jets had him, and uh, that's going to be That's going to be an additional problem. Now, like Joey Hatch is coming in here uh, and saying, I mean, they gave him the money. That's for sure. I mean, there's a reason he's there. He got his money. But that was uh, essentially free for the New York Jets because Aaron Rodgers gave him that money to go out and get him. I mean, $7 million, whatever, what does it matter? Aaron Rodgers made it happen. So it, I do look at it. I'm not infinitely it – doesn't, it doesn't infinitely increase my concern of the New York Jets, mainly because they're already good enough, I think especially at that position. But just like I was talking about with the New England Patriots, this is one more guy you got to worry about, and this is one more dynamic guy you got to worry about, more dynamic than Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Dalvin Cook can do it all. 1,100 yards, four straight seasons. He's he's only a year removed from having a 1,500-yard year. And uh, receiving as well, uh, I mean, he's... He, he is active in the receiving department. Nearly 40 catches a year ago. Same can be said for 2021. 44-plus receptions in 2020 and 2019. He's got over 200 receiving yards in every season the last four years. I mean, he is a dynamic back. 
And the Jets had him, uh, you know, out of nowhere here. It's like Zeke got paid by the Patriots. That got the wheels turning. And as soon as that was taken care of, the Jets went out and, and took care of business themselves. AFC East 100% got a little bit better today. How much? We'll see. These guys are both going towards the second to half to end of their career here. Um, and this is typically where even though your numbers in the years prior were great to, you know, good to great, this is still the time where you start to see the wheels fall off a little bit for running backs. You start to see the tread wear off a little bit. But there's a lot, there's a lot left, I think, in that lemon to be squeezed for both these guys, especially Dalvin Cook. And his brother is going to be right across the way, right across the other side of the field on the sidelines, staring at him week one. And that's just one more wrinkle to this incredible story. There was a time where we thought maybe Dalvin Cook would be a Buffalo Bill, join up with his brother, but it never really felt like that was going to be able to come to fruition based on money. And, you know, the Bills went out and taken care of their running back position. So... As soon as Aaron Rodgers frees that money up, like I said earlier, it just kind of became inevitable. Today, it became fact. AFC East is loaded, man. I'm not afraid of it at all. I'm, I'm excited for it. This is exciting. If the Bills are as good as they can be, and I would argue that this time last year, compared to this time this year, I'd argue the Bills on paper are better than they were the, a season ago. If they can just live up to what we know they can be, it's going to be one hell of a year. Not only from a success standpoint, but from a competitive football standpoint. Must-see TV. If it pans out the way that we think it might, if these teams all live up to what they, they could potentially be, some exciting football around the corner. You just hope that the Bills continue to flex their muscles, show that they're, they're the kings of the, the division no matter what you do and get out of it unscathed. But it is going to be harder this year. It's going to be the hardest it has been to win this division since Josh Allen has been quarterback. But they 100% got what it takes. And you have to believe that they got some, they got some sort of chip on their shoulder this year after, after last year. Just, I mean, there's so many things you can point out. So many things. What went right last year? It's all fueling them up. It's all fueling them up. And then not to mention, expectations are way down too. I can't wait. I cannot wait. And one of the things that does help you in your weight towards the regular season, even though it is exhibition football, it still is nice to see preseason ball. And we just had our first game of the year. Over the weekend here, as the Bills took on the Indianapolis Colts in Buffalo for week one of the preseason, and it was fun to watch. Shout out to everybody who went to that game, by the way. The place was rocking. Leave it to Bills Mafia to fill up the entire stadium almost for a preseason game. Meanwhile, I saw pictures of Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Good grief. They, were, they couldn't give tickets away for that. Place was packed. Everyone was stoked, and it was a good game. A lot of fun stuff. To be seen, a lot of good things to take away from that game. And you also got to see the first live NFL action from Anthony Richardson, the new franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts that gets compared often to Josh Allen. And he is the one guy 
a lot of those Josh Allen comparisons get thrown out there a lot. I mean, if you're a tall, strong quarterback that can run and throw a bomb, you like automatically compare to Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson is the one guy where I hear that and I, I believe it and I see it. And I think if he can reach his ceiling, he could be an iteration of Josh Allen. Obviously didn't look great for him in that game, throws that initial pick on the opening drive there to Dane Jackson. But there were times where you, you, you saw him flash the potential a bit. I remember there was a run he had towards the pylon. It got called back for a holding. He's got an incredible burst. It's the running to me that reminds me the most of Josh Allen. It just looks like a bull in a, you know, it just looks like a bull running right at you with its antlers down, looking, looking to kill fast, long strides, strong. And then even Steve Tasker alluded to it on that interception. He said, yeah, I know that. I know that ball was picked, but he said, my God, that, that ball got there in a millisecond and it did. I mean, he can laser it. Colts. I, I think they took the, quarterback this past draft with the most upside uh i'm excited to watch anthony richardson i think there's a lot of potential there uh, and you got to see him on display a little bit over the weekend here so uh bills take the w by the way 23 19 not that it matters but it was fun to watch them take one home off the back of an unbelievable performance by bitcoin barkley who came in and avenged the very mediocre performance by kyle allen which was concerning we'll get into that in a little bit here um, but yeah, Bills take it 23-19. And there's a variety of things I want to touch on from this game that stood out to me that, you know, we're going to focus mostly on the positives here because there were mostly positives. And um, for me, it's tough to focus on the negatives in the preseason because, well, it's, well I'll say this. It's tough to focus on either the positive or the negative because you, you got to take everything with a grain of salt because you have no idea if the guy that just got blown up is never going to see the field. You have no idea if the guy that you're rooting for who just blew the other guy up, blew, the guy he blew up is never going to see the field. I mean, you just don't know. You got to take all of it with a grain of salt. But, you know, you can read between the tea leaves a little bit and see that things that we've been hearing coming out of camp look like they're accurate. You can see some guys really flashing. There were a few things that really flashed out to me in this past preseason game. So let's get into it. One of the things that excited me the most, just from a pure Glad to have you back standpoint. The fact that that opening drive defensively for the Buffalo Bills featured Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and Tredavious White in the same backfield together on the field all at once. It was an extraordinary sight. You saw the graphic pop up with the starters for the day, and you were just, you instantly had a smile on your face. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back at it again out on the field together. In my opinion, the best backfield duo in the league. Matched up with Tredavious White, who is now fully healthy, and we're so excited to have him back at full capacity. Man, that was a, that was an initially great highlight. You match that up with DeMar Hamlin stuff, where he was able to get out there and play. That was super cool. A lot of great vibes. You could even I, I was watching it out here in Connecticut on NFL Plus. They suckered me into another prescription or subscription, of course. Um, you could feel the energy, which is cool because it's a preseason game, but there's still energy there. Every time DeMar Hamlin got a hit, you heard the crowd go nuts. Uh, but the one thing I thought stood out to me the most right out of the gate was just seeing those guys back out on the field together. It goes back to what I was saying a little bit ago. With the hype last year with this Buffalo Bills team, it's hard to imagine they would be better this year. But I truly think with the health and then the additions to this roster, I think the Bills are better 
this year, at this point of the season, the offseason rather, at this point going into the year, I just think that. I genuinely think with the health mixed with the additions. Now, you wouldn't know it or think it because you're not being told to think it. Last year, it's all you were being told. Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Bills are the best team in the NFL. Bills are going to win the AFC. Yeah, yeah, that's all you were being told. Now, it's not the case. It's the, either the Bengals, the Chiefs, some Bills. Obviously, they haven't been knocked down that far. There's still some of that talk, but not nearly as much. But a lot of that has been replaced with the Jets hype, right? So, uh, you know, it, it is it is nice to not only fly under the radar a little bit, but do so with what I believe to be a team that's better than the team last year who had all of that hype. Let's go into the comment section for a little bit. One one quick second here, because I saw Caroline say something. What'd she say? <clears throat> oh, we're talking about the, the cats. Oh, the cats are watching downstairs. I wanted to check that. I wanted to see if Caroline was locked out of the house again. Uh, no sushi, though, for me. I said no tonight. You know, I can, I feel like I can only eat on here like once once a month. And Carolina had that. She, she was bringing me stuff nonstop, it felt like. So no sushi for me tonight. But glad she's not locked out. Glad the cats are in here crawling all over the place like last time because that was a disaster. But they're doing good. Things are all as well with the fam here. In the little fam. We're doing good. Um, so preseason action kicked off. And as I mentioned, that... Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, there's Tunes. And Tuna. Tunes, Tune. Oh, wait. Tunes and. To- uh, what is this? Tunes and sushi. What do we got here? Where's Tuna? Or tofu? Well, I ran up here when you Who's Tuna? To- we keep accidentally calling the one cat Tuna. Because Tunes and Tuna is really easy to say. When you go to say Tunes and Tofu, you got to change the way you're like yeah. the syllable. What, what is it? Spicy Tuna? Oh, this is Tuna. This is ah, this tuna. is tuna. Ah, is... uh, I love sushi so much. Oh my, we just trimmed his, trimmed his nails. <laughs> we just trimmed his nails. I don't know what it is. These cats, you, no matter what you do, you trim the nails all you want. It's like little razor blades. Every time. You doing good? I'm a little drunk. You're hammered? <laughs> There's my fiance. <laughs> hammered on a Monday night. Good for her, huh? Sure. That's the benefit of being a nurse, by the way. You work like three days a week. Now, granted, you do work 12, 13-hour shifts overnight. It ain't easy. But the reward of that, you only work three times a week. She only works three times a week. And it's like the, like the union, the benefit. I mean, it's insane. It's incredible. Great gig. Great gig. Um, and I guess that allows you to... Get drunk on a Monday. Why not? We're, we're, we're no stranger to that. Hell, four weeks from tonight, I'll be drunk on a Monday. I'll be drunk on a Monday. And I will be inside MetLife. MetLife, I will be in you. I will be drunk, and I will be ready to rock. So, like I said, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, all out on the field together. That was a sight to behold. And things got off to... A hot start on defense week one, or uh, uh, series one. Now, obviously, like I said, gigantic grain of salt, always have to do this, right? But the interception by Dane Jackson on Anthony Richardson, yes, he's a rookie, he shouldn't have thrown the ball. But I think the biggest takeaway there 
was how that interception was forced. It was a great pick by Dan Jackson, who's right in the right spot and completed the play. But that interception was 100% forced by Greg Rousseau, who I felt in his period in which he played in that preseason game was a dominant presence on that line, as were the majority of that, that front presence. I mean, you could go down the line in that preseason game and find a standout play from just about everybody who got a snap on the, on the front line. And I thought initially Greg Rousseau, he really stood out to me. Uh, and he was the one who got all up in Anthony Richardson's face, almost sacked him. Rookie mistake. Instead of just taking the sack or throwing it away, he throws it into coverage. Dane Jackson completes the play. But I thought, it, uh, you know, right out of the gate there, Greg Rousseau came out like a bat out of hell right on uh, Anthony Richardson's ass and forced the pick. And that kind of transitions into one thing I thought stood out to me throughout the entire game against the Colts there, and that was an incredibly good-looking defensive pressure. It seemed like that was an emphasis of Sean McDermott on Saturday. They sent a lot of, pre- uh, of pressure. It kept happening frequently, frequently, frequently. And it seemed that there were several guys getting in on the action, all looking phenomenal. Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa was up in there. They, were, they had a blitz package uh, that I thought was terrific. They sent Jordan Poyer up off the, off the right side. And not only did he get in, but it allowed for Matt Milano to send it up through the middle as well. So you're focused on Jordan Poyer coming off the right side. Matt Milano sends it up through the middle. And then Ed Oliver broke through that as well. And that blitz package in particular stood out to me because it just looked like there was not a shot in hell the Colts were going to be able to contain it. The pressure looked terrific. Now, I know the Colts offensive line isn't the greatest. And like I keep saying, it's the preseason. You don't even know who the hell is out there. You got a rookie quarterback out there. But I can only judge based on what I'm watching. And what I'm watching from the starting defensive uh, unit for the Buffalo Bills, or at least variations of it, there was some good to be had, especially uh, in the department of getting to the quarterback. I thought that was a standout aspect of Saturday. thought they also defended the run real well. There were times where they absolutely stuffed the run game of the Indianapolis Colts, including early on in the first quarter, that one series where the Colts get to a third and one, stuff them on third, third and one, stuff them on fourth and one. Just little things that stood out there. I thought collectively on the defensive line, this particular preseason game, there was a lot of good to be had. And it's, it, it seemed to me like one of the main highlights of that game. And it just feels like they are incredibly deep there as well. They're, even when they're rotating guys, I mean, it just seems like they're deep. Daquan Jones, I don't even think he, I don't even think he played. Uh, Puna Ford got in there. He had a great play on the third down to end uh, end the series for the Colts with a three and out. I thought Groot, like I said, he played great. Ed Oliver was all over it. AJ Epinesa had a couple of flashes. Just felt like everybody was getting in on the fun. Another guy that. Really stood out to me, and he always does. But early on, just just another reason why uh, Matt Milano to me, I, I just I never get bored watching the guy. Ever. Matt Milano is robotic when it comes to hunting down the ball carrier. It's unreal. No matter where the ball is, who has it, and what aspect of which they are on the field. There's Matt Milano lighting him up. 
Early on, it felt like you heard Matt Milano's name every single time a play was called. He was in on it. He's just unreal. I never get enough of watching him play. He is all over the field, and it's not like it's in a reckless manner either. If there's someone with the ball that needs to get hit, you can bet your ass Matt Milano is within the vicinity. And I thought early on in this one, while he was out there, I mean, that was no exception. He was on it. Felt like early on, he was the majority of the tackling for the Bills defense, as was Micah Hyde. Loved seeing him get a couple of big hits early on in that game. You know, Micah Hyde was supposed to return if the Bills made it to the AFC Championship. We all know how that turned out. So we haven't seen Micah Hyde since week two of last year. It's been almost an entire year. And he was out there bashing bashing heads. I love it. No hesitation. All over it, coming up from the backfield, making a couple of early hits. Love to see that. One, because they were good tackles, too, because you just love seeing a guy like him who has, we haven't seen in a year get back right into the action, not losing a step. Thought it looked great. A couple of other names mentioned back in here that I wanted to get to, too, as well. Sacks from Basham and Settle. That is right. There was a sequence, and that was back to the Puna Ford sequence I was talking about, the three and out. Here's how the three downs went. Sack Tim Settle. Sack Boogie Basham. Stuffed at the line by Puna Ford. Like, when I tell you everybody on that defensive line got a piece of the cake, I'm not exaggerating. Everybody had a fair share. The depth, it's there. I know we've been waiting for that guy, right? The Miles Garrett, the Aaron Donald, and that's why you go out and get Von Miller, even though it might be to the point now where he can't be that anymore at this point of his career, but that's why you go out and get a guy like him. The Bills have been trying their hand at the draft over and over again to find that guy, and I don't think they have. I mean, no one's no one's progressed into that type of player yet, and it's incredibly hard to do that because the couple of guys I just mentioned, it, that's as good as it gets. Hall of Fame-type level talent. But what you do have instead, I think, is a collection of really good, really good talent. I mean, obviously, Von Miller, based on his history and what he is still capable of, by the way, don't get it twisted. I mean, he is still capable of being one of the best edge pressures in the entire league. I mean, that's no exaggeration. But this Bills team, in the defensive line category, there's not like that one guy where you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, he's just so dominant. You can't, you can't really, you don't have an answer for him. They don't have that. But what they do have is a collection of guys who are all damn good. Some better than others, of course, but a collection of guys who are all damn good defensive linemen. And when you compile that all together, does it really matter if you have the one guy who's just shutting it down? Obviously, you'd love to have it. But what they have, in my opinion, it is it is one of the best defensive pressure, uh, one of the best defensive pressures in the league. It's one of the best defensive lineups in the league as far as a depth as depth is concerned. And frankly, just based on overall uh, personnel, you know. Uh, you know, Marco's coming in here saying Vaughn is that one guy. Absolutely, when Vaughn is on, I mean. It, Von, Von Miller is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm just talking about, you know, at this point of his career, you're not going to get that as consistently as you would have back when he was a Denver Bronco, obviously. But 
there are times, of course, where he is still capable of doing that. We'll have to see if it'll continue to be like that when he comes back off of his injury. But knowing him and the work ethic he has and seemingly where he's currently at based on what he's been saying, I doubt he loses much of a step. We never know. But yeah, Von Miller is that guy. But the Bills, the guys that they have gone out and gotten, because Von Miller is brought in not only to be that guy, but of course to be a leader to the rest of the younger guys. I was, I'm just saying. I think at this point in the in their in the in the in the overall careers of these guys, you know, Von Miller, he's not going to be a guy like Bosa or Watt or you know Aaron Donald, whatever. At this stage of his career, he can be in rations. And I think that's why there were times last year where you saw him being utilized in specific fashions before he got hurt. I think that's the perfect way to do it. Cause I think you have the depth where you don't have to have Von Miller be the shutdown guy every single snap. And I think that's why it works well. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, Von Miller is still that dude, no question. But what I'm getting at here is this bill's defense collectively up on the front, on the front line, they have such a great depth of guys who are all not only competent, but really damn good players that when you put them all together, it's a recipe for disaster. If you're on the other side of things. And it's just one more reason I I go back to, you know, thinking of, of these people who are are claiming that the New York jets, for example, are a 13 and four team. The New York jets have the 24th overall. Let me just make sure I fact check this. I, I, I have it written down here. Because uh, I like looking at this. So this is why I checked. They were one spot better. The New York Jets have the 23rd ranked offensive line. Aaron Rodgers is coming from a Packers team that had the eighth best offensive line in the NFL. That is a dramatic difference. It's nearly three times better. And with the defensive pressure, and the defensive depth at that position that the Buffalo Bills have. This is why I'm saying it's not going to just be as easy as Aaron Rodgers waltzing in there and just, you know, you know, lollygag all the way to the playoffs and beyond. There's little things you got to take a look at here, one of which is a glaring thing, and it's that offensive line for the New York Jets. Bills have an incredible rush presence, and the Jets are going to have to find a way to deal with that two different times. Um, loved what I saw out of the defense really did. And in particular, uh, the, the variety of different guys up on the front line, there getting theirs. And, and I'll, I'll reiterate it once more. There was just about every single guy who got a snap up on that line, got in on a significant play throughout that preseason game. You love to see it. You got minimal opportunity, right? And it's in an exhibition type setting. You go out and do what you can. I think, I think they all capitalize and all looked great. And it gets you excited to see what that's going to look like at full throttle in a couple weeks from now. Um, let's go over to the offensive side of things. Where I thought there was another standout positional group. To me, two things really stood out from this preseason game. As we just talked about the defense collectively, but honing in on the defensive line, getting pressure on the quarterback really stood out. Offensively, 
run game and the utilization of the running backs in the short passing game. Oh, yeah. I keep telling you, and I know I'm not the only one who shares this opinion. This is James Cook's year to go off. We saw bits and bobs of it last year. He was never given the full opportunity to really unleash. That dude, when he hits the hole, it is a gorgeous thing to watch. His initial burst out of the backfield as he takes the handoff, it, it, man, it is, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. That first series that they had off of the interception from Dane Jackson was three consecutive runs by James Cook. All three of them, it, it looked like the Colts might as well have just laid down. Laid down. And he waltzed into the end zone for about a 15-yard touchdown to take the lead, get the Bills their first touchdown of the day. He hits the hole. I mean, not only is it faster than hell, but it's shifty. It looks like he's just, it looks like he's so elusive as he does it where, and you saw this on the initial run, I believe. It was the first run of the game for the Bills. He hits the hole, but he doesn't hit it dead on. He hits it in a way where he was able to maneuver out of the way of a defender that was coming towards him, still hit the hole that he was designated to go to, and he popped it off for a six, seven yard gain. So there was three consecutive runs for James Cook right out of the gate for this Bills offense. And uh, all three of them were phenomenal. One in which, of course, like I just said, translated into a beauty of a touchdown where he could have crawled in, it felt like. But if you noticed on that particular play, it was great awareness. He hits he hits the middle of the, of the line, realizes the entire left side of the field's wide open. He takes full advantage, shifts gears, goes that direction, walks in. And that wasn't his only, you know, his only timeout on the field. They, they gave James Cook some burn all the way up until the mid, midway uh, of the second quarter. The next series that he's in, it's, it's second down. They hand the ball off to him again. I mean, he just blasts through the hole for eight yards. It felt like, and, and, and you know my stance on Singletary. I, I never disliked him. I always thought he was a more than serviceable back who... Got a lot more hate than I thought deserved. It's just because he got a lot of hate because he wasn't a great running back. When you think about great run games in this league, you think of great running backs. I thought he was serviceable. You know, you'll look at the Bills. Uh, this is the crazy thing. Like, and this kind of blows my mind, too. Because I'm one, and I, I say this often on here, a lot of things to me boil down more to a visual than they do to the numbers. And obviously, you look at the numbers for the Bills. Um, or, the, or the visualization of the run game for the Bills. And it's never pretty. And it's not all that impressive. It's Josh Allen primarily, but it all counts the same as far as statistics are concerned. And you know, it just blows my mind that the Bills were a top 10 rush team last year. I'm sure you all know this by now, but it, it's, it, it was a top 10 rush rushing offense and it never looked particularly pretty. It never looked particularly effective. And, you know, it, it, there's a team like New England where I would have imagined that they got to be one of the better run teams in the league. They don't do anything else. And you look at their numbers, and, and it's far worse than Buffalo's. Almost three times as worse. And the reason I bring this up is because the Bills last year, and yes, I understand a lot of it has to do with Josh Allen. But the Bills last year are a top 10 rushing offense. 
think about what the potential could be if, yes, you do remove some of Allen's run game, which needs to be done. It absolutely has to be done. But what you supplement that with is James Cook being allowed to be a primary featured back because I think when he is given the opportunity, man, there's going to be some opportunities for him to be an absolute stud. So you supplement it with that, and then you supplement it with Damian Harris, and you supplement it with Latavius Murray, who, my God, did he not look phenomenal. The Bills' run attack, it, I, I, I completely agree with the narrative out there, and that's the Bills really can't run the ball. I, I'm in complete agreement. We all know the numbers are inflated because of what Josh Allen does with his legs. But regardless, you know, this game, a lot of times, the, the numbers reflect on the production. And despite never looking all that great, the Bills still can run the ball. They just got to get creative and find different ways to do it. And when they're capable of, or when they're able to do that, I mean, who's stopping this offense? And there's flashes that you see not only throughout last year, but through this preseason game in a small sample size where you're thinking to yourself, if we can get just some of that, you know, if we can just get a limited, I mean, not even, you don't need Derrick Henry. You don't need Alvin Kamara. You don't need a Dalvin Cook like the Jets just got. You just need a consistent level of, damn good-looking run, uh, ru- uh, rushing performance from your running backs. When I say consistent, I mean consistently spurted throughout the offense. We all know that this offense is going through the air with Josh Allen 75 80% of the time, as it should. But when those running plays do get called, and if you're able to execute them on a more consistent basis than you were last year where you already were a top-10 rushing team despite not looking like it, I mean, the sky's truly the limit. So I look at this, right, and I see James Cook look the way he does, and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, if a guy like James Cook turns out to be one of the better backs in this league, even even if James Cook turns out to be like a top 12, 13 running back, do you know how much more dynamic this offense is? Because let's face it, last year no one was threatened by anybody in the Bills' backfield, and no one really, no one really, uh, Respected it. They respected Josh Allen's legs, his air attack, and that was pretty much where the buck stopped on that offense. But if you have to go from that, respecting that, to in addition, respecting James Cook and his ability to burst through the hole, his explosiveness, respect Damian Harris, what I think he's going to bring to this team in a bruiser-type mentality, short-yarded situation, and also respect... All three of these guys, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, and James Cook, also respect the short yardage air attack with these running backs. I mean, do you understand the 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 next level that this offense goes to? And it's already near the top of the league. Doesn't get much better. Not to mention the fact that you got Dalton Kincaid now put out into the offense with the ability to run different schemes than this team has ever run before. Sky's truly the limit. And that's why these preseasons are fun because you do get to see a little bit of flash as to what could potentially be around the corner. And one thing that really stood out to me, one was James Cook. I just thought every time he touched the ball, he was just like he was shot out of a cannon. And not only that, like I said, just the, the ability to maneuver, it looks like he is just like water. He's just, he's just flowing to wherever he's got to go to get upfield. 
And then through the air, there were a couple of times where they just checked it down. And I thought Steve Tasker, it was, it was funny the way he said it, but it was damn accurate. Because obviously with Kyle Allen, you know, and Josh Allen, you kind of refer to the Allen, 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 Allen. But there was a moment in the game where uh, Kyle Allen had dumped the ball off. Just a nice, like there was nothing downfield. So all Kyle Allen did was dump it down to the running back. And I can't remember at the time if it was James Cook or Latavius Murray, but I believe it was James Cook. Either way, it happened a few times for both running backs. But it was just a little dump pass to one of the backs, and they got right the hell up field first down, probably a 10, 12-yard gain. And Steve Tasker said, you know, that's one thing that the other Allen did not do a whole lot of last year, and that is true. We all know that one of the uh, disadvantages that you get with Josh Allen's ability to make big plays is that sometimes he will avoid the easy play in pursuit of making yet another big pay, another big play. And it's true. You know, we know that Josh Allen is the guy that wants to be, you know, making, making shit happen. And I think in his mind, a lot of times making shit happen doesn't necessarily include dumping the ball off like vintage Tom Brady, but guess what? Vintage Tom Brady, you blinked, boom, bang, boom, bang. Oh my God, they're in the red zone. Oh my God, they're in the end zone. Right. And it felt like they were doing that on Saturday and it was a beauty to watch. I mean, I don't give a shit how the hell they get down the field. If it's Josh Allen on an 80 yard bomb to Diggs or Davis for a touchdown, I don't give a, I don't give a damn if it's that or if it's them dinking and dunking down the field for 12 minutes of a quarter, uh, 22 play drive and they get in the end zone. It all counts the exact same. I do not care. And I want to see a variation because clearly they have the capability of doing this stuff. And I think that they have two running backs out of the backfield in the passing game that are not only more than not only capable of doing it, but they are more than damn good at it. In my opinion, I think James cook, in the air attack can be an absolute problem. And the flashes I saw Latavius Murray on Saturday. I mean, look at, I know it's preseason. I know he's an older guy. I don't know how much of him we're going to see, but I'll be damned. He looked faster than hell. He looked great. He looked great catching the ball out of the backfield. He looked big too. Latavius Murray just looked long and big. I was impressed with the running backs on Saturday. And there's a very minute amount of, Moments that I feel like I, I've said that before for these Buffalo Bills. And I thought that was one thing that stood out. Uh, and it's just not like, like, I, like I'll reiterate again. It's, it's one of those things. If it, if it happens, if it, if it matures into something that is a real asset of this offense, you can look the hell out. Because... I, I don't know how you're, I don't know how you're going to stop it if you got Josh Allen doing the shit that he does, and you got now the two tight end set, and you have what I think to be a top five wide receiver in this league in Stephon Diggs with a Gabe Davis who I just think is going to be better this year. I just think that is inevitable. I think last year his injury held him back more than we realized. I also think there was a bit more pressure on him that maybe we should have given to him just based off of the performance in which he had against the Chiefs. I think that was, I think it was just a bit much. I also think that with Dalton Kincaid now, you do take less off the plate of Gabe Davis, which is where I think he thrives. Um, so there is just a lot there that if, he, if, he, if, he, if it gets going, <laughs> look out. 
Speaking of wide receivers, you know, the, the, the tough thing about the preseason in particular is it feels like the wide receiver position is one of those areas where oftentimes you'll see guys flash and then you never really hear from them again. But a couple of guys that stood out to me uh, offensively at the wide receiver position for the Bills were Khalil Shakir and Andy Isabella. Now, Andy Isabella was one of those guys that we signed not all that long ago. When was it? Uh, well, it couldn't have been more than a couple weeks ago, right? It all lumps together to me at this point. It's the worst month of the year. We're just like dra- dragging along, waiting for ball to start. Um, but whatever, not all that long ago. They signed Andy Isabella from the um, the Cardinals, and obviously the Bills have been trying to find a replacement for Cole Beasley to some extent. And no longer having Isaiah McKenzie, who, by the way, it looks like Isaiah McKenzie is going to be a, a featured part of that uh, Colts offense. He was he was featured a lot in the beginning of that game offensively for the Colts. He was also returning the kicks as well um, on the kickoffs for the Colts. So I always will root for the best for a little uh, little dirty there. Isaiah McKenzie, love that guy. Uh, and it looks like he uh, he's going to be a focal point or some sort of focal point rather. For the for the Colts and their offense, which is uh, which is cool for them and cool for him, but they're looking for a replacement for Cole Beasley to some extent. And Isaiah McKenzie just didn't really work out the way they thought it would. They move on from him, obviously. The Colts, um, and here comes Andy Isabella. Here's a guy you might not know all that much about. I know I certainly didn't, but then you get to hear more about him, and you hear that not only is he, uh, you know, good in that type of presence in which the Bills are trying to fill, but he's also faster than hell. And hey, sure enough, he was out on display for these Bills on Saturday, and uh, he he led the team in yards. Three catches, 42 yards. He had one particular little play that went for 30 yards. And look at this is, this is what I'm getting at here. There's guys that you might not know all that much about. There's guys that you look at and you think, all right, how much, how much is he going to impact this team, right? Listen, if Andy Isabella goes in one play a game, if he goes in for one series a game and gets a 30-yard catch, how much does that advance this offense? A lot. It doesn't need to, and not everybody needs to be Jerry Rice. You just need different guys to do different things. It can't all be Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. I'm not sitting here asking for, I mean, would it be great? Yes. Would it be great to have, you know, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill or Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins? Like, yes, of course. But, you know, the Bills don't have that right now. They don't. Okay, so what's next? Well, it's getting guys to do what they're best at and then having that all kind of collectively mold into different elements of your offense that do different things and you're taking advantage of all of those and then all of a sudden you know you don't you don't need the other stud because you have one stud yeah and then you have a bunch of other guys who are you know real good at what they do and add to the offense in different ways. I think Gabe Davis, I mean he is a good wide receiver. I think he is a solid wide receiver too. We get lost in these incredible wide receiver duos. And do I wish it was better? Yes, of course. I look around the league. I mean, some of these duos are nuts. They're crazy, but we still have yet to, we, we got to give Gabe Davis more time. And there's other guys on this team now that you look at and you're wondering where are they going to fit in? And, and it, it gets you a little bit excited. Um, I always just kind of default back to Kincaid, and that's the one thing I was a little bit disappointed about. Can't be too much, but I was a little disappointed on Saturday. I thought we were going to see a little bit more of Dalton Kincaid 
and him getting incorporated into the offense on Saturday. We didn't, but hey, I think um, I think the moral of the story there is I think they know exactly what he is, and from all we've heard, it's a lot of good, and they're probably thinking, what the hell is the point of putting that out on the field for other people to study and and to research up on for us when they play us? So as much as I wanted to see him, because I, I cannot wait to see that guy play, uh, it's probably for the best because I'm assuming there is a reason for it, and I think that reason is because I don't know Sean McDermott, what they have currently with Dalton Kincaid, it's unlike what they've had in the past. This is going to be a completely different type of offense at times for these Bills, and therefore the uh, their opponent has not seen this from them. They haven't seen it. So I guess there's no point in putting it on tape for everybody else to watch a month out. You know? God, I'm excited to watch him. Mm. But as I always go back to, I just think with the addition of him, it's not only do you get what he brings talent-wise, but I just think it opens up so much more. I think it's going to make Gabe Davis have a better year. I think it's going to make Stephon Diggs have a better year. And it's going to open up other areas for these other guys, like maybe Andy Isabella here, or maybe a Khalil Shakir, who probably made two of the best catches of the day. It was unfortunate that he, he on the same series, he made two extraordinary catches and dropped the easiest catch of the day. Third down, he's beyond the sticks, little out route. I mean, it was right in his stomach. I don't know how the hell he dropped it. It looked like I could have caught it, but he didn't. And you're like, how the hell did he not catch that? But there was two catches prior that were way higher on the difficulty scale that he came down with. I like him. I mean, I don't know what it, I don't know what we're going to get from him from a playing time standpoint or a production standpoint, but I, there's something about him I like. And I do hope we get more of him out on the field this year. Um, there's, there's parts of his game that really fascinate me and his pass catching ability at times is part of that. But just another example of a guy that you're like, you know, is he going to be Terrell Owens? No, he doesn't need to be. There's guys that you just plug and play. Like I, like I just said about Andy Isabella, if you can get me a 30 yard gain on a play once a week, or, you know, a 20-yard gain, whatever. If you can contribute 30-ish yards or so every week, in addition to what they the heavy hitters they already have, I mean, I'm in. I'm in. Get everybody a little, a little piece here. Because it looks like they just have guys that can do different things. Gabe Davis, obviously, he's become accustomed to the long ball guy, although I heard him talking to reporters recently about potentially getting involved in shorter throw type um, plays directed towards him, which I think is a good thing. It does seem as though he is the big shot guy and there isn't a whole lot of underneath to him. I would like to see more added to his plate in that way. I would like to see that. But as of now, he's been known as the deep shot guy. Diggs is your go-to guy. Knox is your red zone guy. And it was Cole Beasley as your slot guy. And then they tried with Isaiah McKenzie and they've had different variations throughout there. But, you know, Cole Beasley was one of the best slot guys uh, in, in, in a while here. We was one of the better slot wide receivers in some time. All pro to show for it. You don't, just, you don't just replace him. But if you can replace him by committee, by throwing in Shakir, throwing in Isabella, I mean, I have no problem with that. And Isabella in particular is one of those guys, when the Bills did pick him up from the Cardinals, you did hear 
man, there's a lot, there's a lot to like there. Really fast. And he's got a lot, he's got a lot of upside. And I think we saw a little bit of that on Saturday. And I'm excited to see what more he could potentially bring to this team moving forward. Uh, Deontay Hardy is another one of those guys that, speaking of fast, he's known to be an incredible quickster and a guy that could potentially demonstrate some of that speed offensively for the Bills, but he did not uh, catch any balls on Saturday. He only had one target. I don't know how much he, he was really incorporated into the offense on Saturday, but he does seem as of right now to be probably the answer for the Bills on special teams um, with the loss of Naheem Hines. Looks like Deontay Hardy might be the answer there. He was fielding the punts. And with the quickness that we have been told about him and seen on display early on here, doesn't seem like the worst idea. So there's a there's some you know a couple of new names there this year in Isabella and Hardy that take a little get, a bit of getting used to. But you're already seeing early on here where they're going to be plugged into this uh, into this team. Hardy looks like for for sure going to be incorporated into the special teams at the very least to some capacity. Uh, potentially the, the primary capacity, then Andy Isabella lead the league uh, or lead the team in uh, both receptions and yards on Saturday. Uh, the one, uh, what else did I write down here? Let's see. Before I talk about. Uh, all right. I got, I got a lot off a, uh, off of here that I wanted to get to. The one thing I wanted to say for last year that, you know, it was probably one of the lower elements, I'd say. Um, not that this isn't already just, like, so obvious to begin with, but maybe even a little more obvious Saturday. Uh, I mean, if, if Josh Jalen goes down in any capacity, it just, just don't turn the TV on. I mean, just don't. Kyle Allen, it... I, it looked like every time he threw the ball, it was taking everything in his power to release it. I don't know how to describe it. I think, you know, you get used to seeing some of these guys throw the ball, Josh Allen being one of them. You see him throw the ball, and it just looks so effortless, and it's also moving at a speed that gets it down the field instantly, and you're just accustomed to that. With, with him, with Kyle Allen, it looked like he was winding up like a – old school pitcher and putting his entire body in it to move it down the field. Nothing seemed fundamental in the, in the way he threw the ball. And overall his performance was, I mean, granted it is a, you know, a, a backup quarterback in a preseason game. I understand that, but you look at him and you think, man, you know, even, a, even not all that long ago when you got a Mitch Trubisky on the team, at least I, at least this is how I felt when, um, you know, if, if if Josh Allen goes down, is Mitch Trubisky Josh Allen? Hell no. But I think with what the Bills have personnel-wise, a guy like Mitch Trubisky, who's a similar style of quarterback to Josh Allen to some degree, you feel okay with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, you'll never feel the way you do about Josh Allen. But with going, you know, depending on who they're playing or whatever, if you're going into a game with Mitch Trubisky, you know, that's the MVP. That's that's the Nickelodeon most valuable player right there, folks. That's a playoff. Uh, that's a playoff attending quarterback when he was in Chicago. You know he's you know he's he's serviceable, or I would say more than serviceable. It doesn't really get a whole lot better at backup than Mitch Trubisky. When you're going to your last resort, and your last resort is a guy that's capable, more than capable, that's a good thing. I don't know if Kyle Allen is more than capable. 
Now, you hope that as we talk about this, it doesn't even become a topic of conversation at any point over the next year, because if it does, we're already screwed to begin with. There's no point even talking about it. Because if that becomes a talking point, well, then it, then you can already start talking about a, a list of other things too, because it's it's over. It's done. And frankly, it wouldn't, I don't know how much it would matter if it was Kyle Allen or, you know, me out there, because what does it really matter? They're not winning the whole thing if Josh Allen's not out there. They could be competitive still, potentially with the right guy, but, you know, you're not going the distance without him. That's just not happening. So, you know, there's part of me that just thinks either way, what does it matter? But you did, you do, you would hope if you got to doomsday worst case scenario, at least you'd have a guy where you'd be like, ah, God, this absolutely, I mean, this has got me sick to my stomach, but at least I think he's got a chance to, to put something together. Kyle Allen, I, I, I don't think that, that there's, I, I just, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> it just wouldn't be good. Now, now Bitcoin Barkley goes out and, Strings together one of the better performances you'll see. It was an extraordinary uh, afternoon for Matt Barkley, who went in for Kyle Allen later in the game. And you'd hope a veteran of his stature at this point, who's been in the league that long, would be able to dice up some um, some guys who might not even be in the league come next week. And that's exactly what he did. 14 of 15, a buck 72, two touchdowns, 154 passer rating. Matt Barkley out here looking like vintage Joe Montana. He was fun to watch. The problem with that is, you know, Matt Barkley, either way. And once again, this is, this is back to the point with, with Kyle Allen. Like, it, yes, is Kyle Allen, like, uh, a top backup in this league? No. And would you pick him out of a lineup of guys you'd want to be your backup? Probably not. I think there's far other better options out there. But it comes back to the point, I don't think it really matters at all. I mean, it does suck, and you, like I just said, you would feel better about your optimism and your, you know, ability to – Convince yourself the Bills aren't screwed if you had maybe somebody a, a bit better. But it, it, the fact of the matter is, is that if, if it becomes a if it becomes a reality, it ain't going to matter. It's done. They might still make the playoffs and, you know, be competitive to some degree, but whatever we all want to happen at the end of the year, and we all know what that is, that is done. So this is the last I'll speak of it. I don't really care how they look in the preseason because I know for a fact that if I have to see them out on the field for an extended amount of time in this coming season, then nothing else is going to matter anyways. It's just not. So I can sit here and say Kyle Allen is not a great answer at backup QB, which I don't think he is. But at the same time, there really isn't a great answer at backup QB. Because if a backup QB has to go in for Josh Allen, then we are screwed. So not really all that concerned about it. Not going to waste much time on it because I don't even want to think about it. Don't care. And we'll end it there. Two hours in the books. Busy Monday night for us here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Before we end it, I saw that I had one super chat that I didn't get to with my man David back here way back in the beginning of the show. Sorry it took so long, David. He was saying, Jets, Pats, blah, 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 go Bills. No better way to end it than that. Glad I saved it till the end, Dave. Because you're right. Who cares? It's all about them Buffalo Bills, baby. And despite today, the Jets getting better, Pats getting better. Overall, the AFC East. Everyone's better. Still the Bills at the top until I'm proven otherwise. The Bills are the team they have to get by, and as you can see, they are doing everything in their power to try and do it. And we're just four straight weeks or four short weeks away from it all being out on the table to get decided. I cannot wait. 
will not be with you next week, unfortunately. I will be out of time going on a cruise. First ever cruise that I've ever been on. Caroline and I are going to celebrate our engagement next week, going on a cruise to the Bahamas. I've never been, but I'm excited. I'm going to have my shades on. going to have my swim trunks on, chilling, boat side. But I'll be back with you the following week for another one where we'll recap the final two preseason games for the Buffalo Bills. And then at that point, folks, it's time to start previewing Bills Jets. I can't wait. I can't wait to be back with you once again, two weeks from tonight, Monday night, right here on the smoke break. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, folks, go Bills. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.